You're listening to another football episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns with your guy, Bully Rye. That's right, everybody. It's another football episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. It's your guy, Bully Rye. And boy, did I mislead all of y'all when I said we had a season four football-only show finale. And um, I'm throwing another wrinkle in here. It took all of one episode to realize the talent that I had recruited for this show. And so not only will PJ Steven be joining us on every wrestling show, we now have a football show co-host. And without further ado, let's introduce or reintroduce, I should say, our new Tapouts and Touchdowns football show co-host, Banker Bill. Bill, welcome back to the show. How you doing today, bud? What's happening, Ryan? What's going on, man? Oh, you know, just living a dream, waiting to find out whose it is so I can wake him up. But uh, you know, <laughs> we're we're in a we're in a good place. I think uh the last last week's episode was probably my favorite football episode that I've ever recorded. So I wanted to thank you for that and welcome welcome you on as the new official football show co-host to That's awesome. That's awesome touchdowns, man. Yeah, we're gonna have some fun. Uh, what the fans don't know about quite yet is I'm going to give you a little peek into it. We've got the USFL and the XFL coming back in 2023. And, uh, you know, normally I take a football break between WrestleMania season and the beginning of college football. And we're not going to do that this year. We're going to go straight into XFL and USFL after a brief hiatus that we're going to take at the end of the season four of the show. Um, really fun stuff coming. And I know, that I can count on uh, Banker Bill to be just as enthusiastic about those uh, those minor league leagues, if you will, as I will be. Can I count on you, Banker Bill? Absolutely, man. I am totally, and you know this, I am actually totally jacked for the USFL. February 18th, man, that's when that season gets started. So I am super excited because that's where you get to see the, I don't want to say the future stars, but at least the future roster guys in the NFL. They, they come, just like uh, J.P. Walker, like Walker came from, uh, the XFL last time. So I'm really excited to watch that league and see if we see some of those guys excel and make it on some NFL rosters. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about getting excited for the USFL. I'm excited for the XFL because the XFL and you and I've talked about it off air before the XFL would have survived this, uh, this tenure had it not been for COVID. Agreed. Yep. They had really good football. You mentioned PJ Walker uh, was, was, on pace to probably be the XFL MVP, and he made himself onto an NFL roster as a result. Um, as a starting quarterback. I mean, he started in the NFL. That's crazy. Yep, it, it really is. And I really I really enjoyed some of the rules that they tried to enforce or that they tried to implement. The, uh, the, the extra point rules were – they were just insane in the XFL where, you, yep. you know, you could line up. Line up from the two for one or line up from the five for, for, for two or whatever, whatever it was. So I'm excited to see if what what they carry over from the they are doing that XFL. again. They oh, are doing that man. again. I have read the. Uh, did I say the USFL? I meant the XFL starts okay, on February yeah. 28th uh, or February 18th. Um, yes, they are carrying the uh, extra point rules over. They're also carrying over that crazy onside kick for the fourth Ooh, and fifteen. Yes, yes. Uh, they're yes. doing that. There's a couple more. They're also doing some different replay stuff for the XFL, where they're going to have every play reviewed by a command center led by Dean Blandino. Oh, wow. That's that's a big deal. Rules analyst Dean Blandino. They would be watching every play, and if anything is messed up or goes wrong, they're supposed to be able to contact the officials to let them know they made the wrong call. That's incredible. And I'm yeah. hoping – see, you know, the XFL, I mean, I think they're the ones that introduced the cable cam that is so widely used in both college and pro football now. 
And I think they're just, they're so innovative that they, they make the game of football better. Um, I think so. Yeah. The one thing that I hope the XFL and the USFL don't do is uh, bring the drone cam that the USFL tried last season. It was, uh, that was brutal to watch. Not good. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> so um, let, let me tell you what we got in store for you for the show today. We're going to do, we're going to do a little differently. We got the first half of the show. We're going to talk the AFC divisional round, recap those two games. And the second half of the show, we are going to recap the NFC divisional games. Um, and then we're going to have an overtime segment where we're going to kind of dive into the AFC and NFC championship games and, and pick winners for those two games. Um, all culminating next week with our, our, we can't call it the SB game. It'll be the big game uh, that, that'll be happening in a couple weeks' time. You the got big the, game. Yeah, the big game, the NFL championship. Maybe we can get away with calling it that, but we can't got call it. it the other thing, I guess. So, listen, this is my first time covering that game or at least trying to, like, predict or whatever the case that game is. And I know that, like, most radio stations and TV shows that, that, that don't have affiliation or don't have permission from, from the NFL can't call it that. So we can't promote our show calling it that I'm assuming. So we're, we're going to do our way to do our best to, right. to stay away from, from, you know, getting something pulled. Um, all right, Bill, let's get into the first half of the show in the AFC divisional round. And the first game in the AFC divisional round took place last weekend on Saturday. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, that quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars had not lost a Saturday night game since high school, or at least even since before high school, that came to an end last Saturday. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, host the Jacksonville Jaguars. They win twenty-seven to twenty. Bill, what was your what was your you know primary takeaway from this game? Because the game the score was a lot closer than I expected to be. What was your big takeaway from this this divisional round game? We talked about it last week, and I said that it was disrespectful for the odds makers to give the Chiefs uh, an eight point uh, spread there. You did, and, and I do want to point out the Jaguars did cover, yep. uh, but it was a late score that did that. I just felt like the Jaguars were competitive through most of the game. I just think the Chiefs have a much, much better team, much better roster than the Jaguars do right now. So it just showed towards the end. And I think Trevor Lawrence is young. That just kind of kind of fell apart. Didn't have the game he needed to have against such a great offense with the Chiefs, and it just you know just didn't work out. They just didn't score enough points. Yeah, listen. Uh... As a as a South Carolina fan, watching Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne um, blow up in the in the wild card round uh, was not good for my heart. But Trevor Lawrence won me over. After this game is over, he goes in the tunnel and instead of going to the locker room, greets players and staff as they walk yeah. into the locker room. A big big leadership move here. Um, you talk about the rosters. Let's let's look at some stat lines real quick. Um, I already mentioned uh, Jacksonville's Trevor Lawrence. He went twenty four thirty nine in this game. Just over 200 yards, 217 yards with a touchdown and an interception. Combine that with three carries for 26 yards. His old Clemson running back, Travis Etienne, uh, 10 carries, 62 yards. That's, a, that's an average of 6.2 yards per carry with a touchdown. Uh, the leading receiver in this game was Christian Kirk, seven receptions, 52 yards and a touchdown. And then Zay Jones, who's been a key receiver for this offense all season, five catches for 83 yards. Uh, respectable numbers, but not quite what you would what you would hope for in a win. Um, you go over to Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City was a different story, um, and we'll get to that in a second. Patrick Mahomes finishes the game 22 of 30 with just 195 yards and two touchdowns, but he would be injured in this game. A high ankle sprain would be suffered. Um, he was on the sidelines not having it, did not want to get checked out, but they would bring in Chad Henney, 
He went five of seven for 23 yards in a touchdown himself. Um, I, I don't want to say a star was born, but Isaiah Pacheco had a, had a truly coming out party in this game. 12 carries, 95 yards. That's good for 7.9 yards per carry. I did not re- realize he ran a sub 4340 at the combine. 439. 439. Four, yeah. He ran a sub 44. Yeah. So like the 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 idea that like I mentioned it, it might have been last week or a few weeks ago that that Kansas City did like they used the old Madden tactic of just drafting and, and trading for <laughs> speed. And Pacheco was no different. Um, and he showed some bursts of speed in this game. The leading receiver in this game, uh, with you know, it should be no surprise, Travis Kelty Kelsey. Um, I believe he broke the record for most tight end touchdown uh, receptions as you know, as a tight end in the NFL history in the playoffs. He finishes this game with 14 receptions for 98 yards and two touchdowns. What a what a hoss right there. Uh, Kadarius Tony is uh, from a receiving standpoint was the leading receiver in this game outside of Kelsey. Five receptions for just 30, 36 yards. It was Kelsey's day to be had, and it was Pacheco's coming out party. Um, before we move on to the next game, uh, Bill, we did it last week. What's next for the Jaguars, man? Like they, they'd had a turnaround after getting rid of, uh, your old head coach, good old Urban Meyer. And they have, they have seemingly righted the ship. What next steps do they need to make to maybe make a a bigger push next year in the AFC playoffs? I think I'll say this about the Jaguars and I'm going to steal this from coach, coach Sanders out there in Colorado, but the Jaguars are coming. They're, they're on their way, man. They're, uh, they, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be much better all season. Next season, he was much better in the second half of this season. Uh, Etienne, I, you know, I wasn't a fan coming out of Clemson. I, I wasn't a fan of his, but he's really, really, uh, he's got a lot of juice, man. He's, he's fun to watch. They didn't give him the ball very often. I mean, they were, they were down, right? So, yeah. Only 10 carries, 62 yards, but 62 yards. That's really good. 6.2 yards a carry. I mean, you're looking at that stat line going, why didn't he get the ball more? But, you know, being down, you got to throw the ball. Um, I don't know. I think with them, I think it's just defense. I mean, you're talking about trying to stop Kansas City in Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. But that's tough to do with Patrick Mahomes. But then old man Chad Henney comes in the game and engineers the longest drive in the history of Kansas City playoff football at 98 yeah. yards for a touchdown ridiculous like that should have never happened <laughs> it was, it's, i couldn't believe it when i was watching it it was the difference in the game that was it it was over i forgot chad henny was still in the league honestly yeah. like he, oh, I, I can't I re- ever forget it i remember when he played for michigan like that's how long ago yeah. it's been since since he's since he's been in the league 15 for Jack- years for jacksonville i think that and uh, you're right about the defense they need to they need to add some pieces to that defense um now granted christian kirk had a decent game zay jones had some good games this season um, he, he helped me up in, in fantasy football this year when, when I needed it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Evan Ingram had a, had a, a resurging year, um, from the tight end standpoint. I think that, that I think offensively Jacksonville is a big time receiver away from really becoming the explosive offense they can be. And the rumors are that, uh, and like DeAndre Hopkins, uh, is, is might, might be out of, out of his, a uh, role in Arizona. Like he might be on his way out. Um, and I think again, a couple of Clemson boys getting back together here, not that they play together. Um, but I think, I think Deandre Hopkins would be a huge add to this offense um, that could, could complement the rest of the pieces on this team. And, and obviously they're going to have to need, they're going to have to add some defensive, uh, you know, firepower in the draft and in the off season. 
Uh, when it comes to Kansas City, they're moving on to the AFC Championship game. But the biggest concern is Patrick Mahomes has got a high ankle sprain. Oh, yeah. uh, Andy, Andy Reid has said that there's no way he doesn't play this game. Patrick Mahomes says that there's no way he doesn't play this game. Um, but most people that have high ankle sprains, it's a multi-week recovery. And Patrick Mahomes is going out here, and he is going to try to play. Um, and and to give a course, sort of a spoiler, he's playing a team that he hasn't beaten uh, in three attempts in 2022. Um, obviously, they they can they can survive the run game with with Isaiah Pacheco. Um, it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball; Kelsey's going to get his catches. Um, but I mean, what if if you were the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs? Are you risking re injury for Mahomes this week? Because everybody yes. knows a, a sprain is is you know one step away from a tear. Yes. So it doesn't matter. Don't I don't care. He'll well, have the off season to sit. There's no way I'm starting Chad Henney in this game and expecting to win. Listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and disagree with you. Like I <laughs> I tweeted out during this game that a one-legged Patrick Mahomes is better than half of the other starters in the NFL, right? True. Like like Patrick Mahomes is that dude, but my concern is like he's not gonna be able to scramble like he normally does. Um, and he's one bad hit away from like not finishing this game, and all of a sudden Chad Henney is going to have to play more than more than a 98-yard drive. So um I'm curious to see how this plays out. I wasn't changing my pick on the AFC Championship game, regardless. Um, but let's get let's get to the to the next game in the AFC Division round, so I don't skip ahead too far. Um, it was the game that never got played on Monday Night Football. The Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Buffalo Bills. The Bills were ranked higher, so or they or they, they had a higher seed, so they were hosting this game. Uh, obviously, the game in Week 17 was supposed to take place in Cincinnati. Uh, we're all it's all very well documented. Demar Hamlin, the Demar Hamlin near tragedy. Um, but we finally get the game that we didn't get to see in week 17, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Both of us took Buffalo on this show last week. Oh, no, 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 we did not. No, I'm sorry. We took, I'm sorry. You're right. We took Cincinnati. We, took we, both, Bengals, took, we both, I, I had bees on my mind. We had the, we both took the Bengals last week. We did. We took the Bengals. Yes. And they showed up Cincinnati 27, Buffalo 10. An absolute shellacking after the game. Stefan Diggs would storm out of the locker room before he, all the coaches even got there. Uh, Bill, what happened to the Bills? The same thing that happened to them against Miami. They just, they, Josh Allen is not a good big game quarterback right now. I don't know what his problem is. Uh, I've seen him tear defenses apart. He's played well in other playoff games that, you know, that are big games. But he did not play well against Miami. He threw, I think it was two picks in that game. And in this game, he, doesn't throw a touchdown at those interception pass rating is 68.1 just not good yeah listen um buffalo needs a run game um for sure they have to take pressure off them you can't exactly yes yeah Yeah. i'm skipping i'm skipping ahead uh i'm going into stats you mentioned josh allen 25 of 42 uh doesn't get to 300 yards 265 yards as you mentioned no touchdowns and interception he did add on eight carries for 26 yards and a rushing touchdown um, but as a team, they combined for 63 total rushing yards, uh, combined 37 rushing yards from both of the running backs, Devin Singletary. Um, now, Singletary did add on five receptions for 38 yards, but a guy that didn't do a lot for the offense this year was the leading receiver. Five catches and 65 yards for Dawson Knox. I mentioned Stefan Diggs, visibly unhappy on the sidelines during this game, was the first one to leave the facility after the game. Finishes the game with four catches for 35 yards. His running mate, Gabe Davis, only two catches for 34 yards. 
Um, I think, again, we're kind of doing this out of order here, but if I actually heard it on Colin Cowherd today that they've had years to get this, six years to get this offensive line stuff taken care of, and it's it's not. Kansas City turned around, turned around their offensive line in a year. Buffalo is still working on it. And when you're playing in an AFC divisional round game, you can't combine for 63 rushing yards and expect to to have a winning outcome. Like I I agree. Like well, they also know, didn't give Devin Singletary the ball six times, twenty four yeah. yards. He was averaging four yards a carry. Give the man the ball. Yeah, You're not running no, the ball at all. You're not even trying. Yep, and 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 no, that's that's a very valid point too. So it was like they abandoned the run game. They wanted to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands, and I think the only way they're going to be able to do that is to give him a, a suitable running game that will give him the the first of all the ability for play action pass. Um, and it'll give him the out that if he's got a running game that can support him, all of a sudden now the defense has to has to key in on it, and he's going to get some more open looks to guys like Diggs and Davis. Um, pretty much the the Cincinnati uh, formula for winning this game. Uh, Bill, what do you, what do you say about uh about Cincinnati in this game? Like you know they've again three and zero against Kansas City in two thousand in the twenty twenty two calendar year. Now they have gone on the road and beaten the Buffalo Bills, who at one point this season looked unbeatable. What what has happened with the Bengals as to where now they're, you know, one of the best teams in the league? I mean, I feel like the Bengals are doing Bengal things at this point. I, it's Joe Burrow scary. That means yeah! scary. Why, why, why are you excited Ooh. about Joe Burrow? He's scary. He, uh, he just plays ice in his veins. I mean, he was good in this game, really good in this game. Uh, we I talked about it last week. I was afraid that he was going to be under pressure from the from the Bills. It didn't matter. Um, they didn't do all that well uh, protecting him. I mean, he was he's just he got hit. He got hurt at one. You know, like his foot was looked like it was injured at one point. It doesn't matter. He just plays well. Um, they're just a good team, and and I think they're actually peaking. They've been peaking basically since the like sixth week of the season. So mm-hmm. they've been great since then. I, they're scary, man. They're really scary. Well, I mentioned, you know, the the Cincinnati formula of winning games is to have a decent running game to to yeah. complement this passing game. Let's look through the stats here. Burrow finishes 23 of 36, only 242 yards, but he did have two touchdowns. Uh, Joe Mixon, who, if you recall earlier this season, I believe had five rushing touchdowns in one game. Um, he finishes his game with 20 carries it's a, uh, for 105 yards. It's roughly uh, 5.3 yards per carry. Um, with a touchdown to add on to it, your your receiving touchdown uh, receivers, Jamar Chase finishes five catches, sixty one yards with a touch, and my boy, the 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 ginger Thor. Here we go, my boy from South Carolina, <laughs> Hayden Hurst, five catches, fifty nine yards, and he caught the first touchdown for the Bengals in this game. Um, listen, man, you said it. The Bengals are scary, dude. Like they got they've got Joe Mixon. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan can come in and play just as well as Mixon if Mixon goes down. Yeah. Um, but Burroughs figured it out. Like outside of his rookie year where he got hurt, um, you know, pe- people, we all watched the Super Bowl last year where Burrow was under pressure the entire game. And we just mentioned that it looked that Kansas City took them a year to get their offensive line together. It seems like the same thing happened to Cincinnati. Actually, not true. Believe it or not, this is all Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow is standing behind the offensive line that had the 31st ranked pass win rate in the NFL this year. Pass block Ooh. win rate. They're not good. 
and Joe Burrow's still doing this. That's how. That's why I say Joe Burrow is scary. Joe Burrow's really scary. The guy, if he got an offensive line, would be better. Well, I mean, you got to think too. Like even with an offensive line that's giving it that much pressure, they're still getting running backs that are rushing for a hundred plus right. or close to one hundred. That's yards helping. You're not wrong. So yeah, it's uh. So now we get the rematch: Kansas City, Cincinnati, in the AFC Championship game. Bill, we're going to take our first break of the show when we come back we're going to break down the nfc divisional round games and then again at the end of the show we're going to we're going to preview conference championship sunday so stay tuned after the break we'll be right back right here on tap house and touchdowns this episode is brought to you by carolina business equipment with offices in charleston greenville columbia and florence carolina business equipment can supply your copiers computers and printers anywhere in the state of south carolina Call my personal best friend, Aaron Thompson, at 843-452-8761 for a quote today. And make sure you tell him that Ryan from Tap House and Touchdown sent you. Carolina Business Equipment, you worry about your business, let us handle your technology. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina, is your one-stop shop for all of your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, One Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and the most competitive prices in the low country. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9 star rating or on Facebook by searching for One Stop Repairs. Call for a quote today at 843-343-6310. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Your guy, Bully Rye and Banker Bill here talking NFC, divisional round playoff games. Boy, we had some, uh, I want to call them stinkers, Bill, because one of the games was a blowout and the other one wasn't entertaining at all, in my opinion. Sunday Uh, was not a fun day for football. Yeah, let's let's start off here with the Saturday game. The Philadelphia Eagles, the number one seed, taking on the divisional rivals, the New York Giants. I know your uh, your family was particularly up, up, probably yes. upset to watch this game. Your dad being a, a Giants fan, the Eagles <laughs> the Eagles rocked them thirty eight to seven. Um, you know what what's there to say about this game, Bill? I mean the Giants. Where you know nobody thought the Giants were going to be good enough to make the playoffs, and here we are uh, knocking off. You called them the biggest fraud in football with the Vikings last week, but it doesn't matter. The Giants were still able to make it to the division round with what could be considered arguably one of the weakest rosters in the NFL. Um, Bill, what's your takeaway from the Giants this season as a whole? Oh wow, that, Brian Dable did a fantastic job coaching this team. I think that he manufactured wins early in the season. They started fantastic. I think they went seven and two somewhere in that that was you know that area. Um, they had a great start to the season. They won a lot of games. They kind of stumbled their way into the playoffs and got a playoff win. I mean that's a that's a success. I, yep. I mean I haven't I'm a Dolphins fan. I haven't had a playoff win since 2000. So that's a that's a great season for Brian Dable's first season. But where does he turn? I mean that. You saw they got exposed, and that's a division. That's a divisional opponent. We talked about these divisional playoff games; they can be, you know, a toss-up. And this was just a beatdown, a beatdown of epic proportions because it was worse than any game we've seen between these two teams this season. So, and, the, and this is where you would think that the Giants would have shown up if they were playing the Eagles, you know, for you know a divisional game. 
and I don't know where they turn, man. They're going to go with Daniel Jones again. I guarantee you that. But uh, I don't think they should. Listen, I, I'm not. He had a, he had a terrible game here. 15 to 27, oh, awful, awful for 100 135 yards with an interception, no touchdowns. Uh, also carried the ball six times for 24 yards. Um, listen, I, I said it last week. He's he needs some weapons on offense to to build around him. Uh, one of the weapons they don't need to really worry about is Saquon Barkley. Uh, we talked about it in the Cincinnati Buffalo game. They didn't give the ball to Saquon enough. And again, you know they were playing from behind. Same thing. But Saquon, Saquon had nine carries for 61 yards, yep. two receptions, 21 yards. He re- he rushed for 6.8 yards a carry. Like, I feel like if you give him the rock a little more, you're going to take the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands. Yeah. One of the runs was 39 yards long. He had one that he broke and almost scored a touchdown. So you're only looking at eight carries for 20 yards. So the, it's it's much worse if you take the 39-yard run out of there. He wasn't doing all that well. Daniel Jones was worse. I have not seen a quarterback play as bad in the playoffs, I think, as I watched Daniel Jones yeah. play. It was really bad. It just was really bad. Five-yard average on the completion, it was bad. And they just had nothing. They had nothing for Philadelphia. Philadelphia just was a much, much better team. I mean, listen, the Philadelphia Eagles were the last undefeated team in the NFL for a reason. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll go through two more stat lines for the Giants. Matt Breida, the, the the backup running back, he carried the ball for four carries, 23 yards. He scored the only touchdown for the Giants in this game. Um, that was almost worth six yards of carry. And then the leading receiver was a, a, yet another guy who was not the leading receiver the week before, Richie James, seven catches for 51 yards. Uh, but you mentioned that the Eagles are just better in every facet of this game. Um, they even scored a touchdown when they weren't trying to at the end. They were they were up thirty-one to seven, and they were just running the clock out. And and Kenneth Gainwell just got loose. Yep. Um. And and just broke one. Um. Let's go through the stat line for the Eagles, uh, and we'll we'll kind of look ahead to them for next week. Jalen Hurts only only threw twenty-four passes in this game. This is a run-heavy game. Sixteen to twenty-four. Only 154 yards passing for Jalen Hurts, but he had two touchdowns. Also carried the ball nine times th- for 34 yards of the rushing touchdown. I said this was a running attack game. Kenneth Gainwell, 12 carries, 112 yards with a touchdown at a reception for nine yards. Miles Sanders, 17 carries, 90 yards. This team combined for 268 rushing yards. Like when you see a game that's, that's one thirty-eight to seven, do you expect to see this many rushing yards attached? I mean, it's it is a beatdown. It's just a beatdown. It it is a out. They were out physical. That out physical the Giants. It was just it's just a beatdown. They just pushed them all over the field. They couldn't do anything right. I mean, they averaged six point one yards per carry. That's yeah. I mean, that's terrible. That's terrible. It's the <laughs> NFL. You're supposed to be able to compete with every team, and they just shoved them all over the place. It was clear. That the Giants, and I always thought that there was a situation, you know, if you have a bye week, you get the team that comes in rested. But sometimes those teams are rusty, and then they, you know, they uh, they might have messed up a little bit. And the execution isn't that great. But Philadelphia did everything right. They executed well. They looked rested. They looked stronger. They looked better. It was just, it was a beatdown. Yeah, a couple more stat lines. The the three biggest receivers to talk about for the for the Eagles. AJ Brown only had three set three receptions for twenty two yards. Not a great day for him. But Devontae Smith, on the other hand, a different a different story. Six catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. And then tight end Dallas Goddard had himself a day, five catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. So really, everybody on this offense, including backup running back Kenneth Gainwell, eight except for A.J. Brown. 
So you got to think they're going to get him involved next week and he can have a really big game in the NFC Championship game. Uh, Bill, does the, he need to? Does he need to? I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. They have, like you said, Daniel Jones doesn't have weapons. Let's give him that. Jalen Hurts does. And Jalen Hurts just looks fantastic. These guys are open all over the field. I mean, he's got players open. Dallas Goddard had, like you said, he had a great game uh, for a tight end. And it's, I mean, they're just, they're really good. They're really fun to watch. So they're really good. Well, the bright spot for Philadelphia is they are done playing teams from the NFC East this season. Uh, <laughs> Sunday's game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it was a game. Can we say that, Bill? It was a game. I mean, if you like defensive football, you enjoyed this game. That's what it was about. But it was also about Dak Prescott being terrible. So yeah. that was that. I mean, if you don't like Dak Prescott, this was your favorite game of the weekend. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers win this game 19 to 12. Uh, you mentioned Dak Prescott, bad game. I mean, he he did throw for 200 yards, but that's, you know, 206 yards isn't quite enough in a game like this. 23 of 37. He does have a touchdown, but he tacks on two interceptions in this game. He also carried the ball four times for 22 yards. Um, the biggest, I think the biggest story that came out of this game was the injury to Tony Pollard, a high ankle sprain and a broken fibula yeah. suf- suffered in the first half. And I, as another, something else that I put on before the injury on, on social media, that Tony Pollard is better than Ezekiel Elliott at this point right in now. Career. Yep. And, and the unfortunate part is that not only is Pollard going to be on the men for the next three months, but it was a contract year for him. Ooh. And, and so you wonder if Pollard is going to be back in Dallas next year. Um, Pollard before he went out six carries for 22 yards, um, it was only good for 3.7 yards per carry, but he looked more explosive. Zeke finished the game 10 carries for 26 yards. So if you're doing the math, uh, Zeke and Pollard combined for 48 rushing yards. Um, tack on 22 yards from uh, from Dak Prescott. Not a great game on the ground. CeeDee Lamb, probably the biggest uh, producer of these offense. 10 catches for 117 yards. Um, Dalton Schultz had a... He, he had a decent game up until the end. Five catches, 27 yards. He did score the only touchdown for Dallas in this game. But late in this game, he forgot that he was playing pro football, went back to college, and a, and a, on a catch that he needed to give the Cowboys a better chance for a Hail Mary, uh, catches the ball but only gets one foot in down. One, one foot yeah, in that bounds. was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, and then Dallas lines up for this, this formation that Zeke Elliott lines up at center. Um, and just I even even that was their, a disaster. And then threw it to somebody that was covered. That made no sense. Even Mike McCarthy didn't have an answer for that play in the in the press conference. Just absolutely terrible. Meanwhile, San Francisco. Uh, let's go through the stat run real quick. Brock Purdy. He probably had his worst game as a pro. Only went nineteen of twenty nine, two hundred and fourteen yards, three carries for eight yards. Did not throw for a touchdown in this game. Um, Christian McCaffrey would also get banged up in this game and would basically only be available for third down plays. We've said it on the show before, San Francisco's entire offense is injury prone. And they were fortunate that McCaffrey was able to come in for third down plays. Uh, He finishes the game 10 carries, 35 yards, and a touchdown to tack on six receptions for 22 yards. His backup, Elijah Mitchell, had a a not really great day either. Uh, 14 carries. I don't, I, I definitely don't have this right. Um, it wasn't 15 yards. I'll have to look at that number again, but 
I got you. He he had uh, 14 carries for 51 yards. 51 yards. Yeah, my yeah. dyslexia, I guess, kicked in. There you um, go. So Elijah Mitchell, obviously having to take the bulk of the carries with the injury to Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, we mentioned uh, Travis Kelsey in the Kansas City game. George Kittle had himself a, a, another big day. Five catches, 95 yards. If you did not see his catch in the second half, <laughs> right. he, I don't think he was expecting the ball, and then it touches him in the hands. And he bobbles it about three or four times. It bounces off his face mask, and he's able to bring it in. Just that was the play that turned the entire game around. It led to the San Francisco touchdown. Um, and and then, obviously, you got to look again. I did it for Cincinnati. I'm going to do it for San Francisco. You know what's coming. My boy Debo Samuel, four carries, 11 yards. It was a terrible yard per carry at 2.8. Four catches for 45 yards. But, again, neither one of these teams did a whole lot on offense. Um, San Francisco was just able to outlast and force more mistakes by Dallas. So, Bill, what's next for Dallas, man? I mentioned Tony Pollard's on a on a contract year. Dalton Schultz is on a contract year. One of the biggest touchdown catchers for Dak Prescott, but they're paying Dak Prescott something like forty million dollars a year. It's not like they can all of a sudden unload Dak Prescott at this point. What's next for the Cowboys? Because they look like world beaters against Tampa Bay, albeit we argue, also argued that Tampa Bay was not the same Tampa Bay. But what's next for Dallas? I, I don't think you're worried about Dak Prescott. That's, Dak Prescott's up and down, but he is an above-average quarterback in the NFL. I agree. Um, what, what I want to know is what has happened to Ezekiel Elliott. He's only 27 years old, and, and he's pretty awful. I He was not good in this game at all. Tony Pollard's clearly the better running back right now. Tony Pollard had over 1,000 yards rushing this season. Zeke didn't get there. I'm, I'm very confused as to what happened with him. So I, I don't know. You said Tony Pollard's on a, a contract year. So if he's not there next year, do you stick with Zeke? I don't think so. I mean, if he's only 27 years old, he's already showing the wear and tear of the NFL and he's been in the league a long time. But listen, I'm going to give you my, I, I think I get away from it. I'm going to give you my comparison to Zeke. Um, first of all, Zeke got paid for the five years that he played on his rookie deal. He got paid on the back end of it because he was a star running back for the first five years of his career. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll call your Ezekiel Elliott and raise you a Trent Richardson. No, that's not fair. Trent never did anything good. Trent Richardson had a good few years in the NFL and then uh, just he completely was broke down. <laughs> he Listen, was he's, he also was a guy who was used and abused at Alabama True. and just beaten up by strong yeah. heavies in the SEC. And, but he, he had a good, a good few years in the NFL and then just all of a sudden couldn't break a tackle. Uh, yeah. He couldn't he couldn't find a hole, and that's where I, I have the comparison to Zeke and Trent Richardson is that both of these guys were poised to be star running backs for a decade plus, and, you know, essentially after their rookie deal was just kind of – I don't even think Richardson made it past his rookie deal. Yeah, he didn't, uh, and you're right about Zeke. He he completely fell off. He had four he – was, he was injured his second season, but his first four years were fantastic. Uh, lots of touchdowns. He had a lot of touchdowns this year. He had 12, but he averaged 3.8 yards per carry, which is not NFL level, at least starter level. Um, but he's completely fallen off. He's only had 1,000 yards in 2021, and that wasn't a great year. It was 1,002. Yep. Uh, so it's just not, you know, it, they were they were feeding him a ton, probably too much his first four years. He was over 300 yards. Uh, I'm sorry, 300 carries three out of four seasons and was on pace to do it again in 2017. So, I, I think he's done, man. I think you have to move on from Zeke and, and find a running back to try to help Dak out and, uh, you know, go that direction. The defense is good. I mean, the defense is real good. 
So we'll, oh. we'll see where they go. But I, I think you got to find a running back. They've got a star on Micah Parsons. Like you've got to oh go. Gosh. You got to pay that guy now. Yeah. So that you're getting the production. But like you said, I don't Marcus, know. The Marcus Lawrence is fantastic. Yeah, him too. Uh, yeah. Um, they got that Osa. I don't know how to say. Oh, oh the, dude's the, yeah, that guy. Oh no, I thought you were going to say Israel Mukuamu, a defensive a defensive player without a position. Another former Gamecock that's been playing safety all season. Here we go. It's always <laughs> about the Gamecocks. <laughs> man. No, they had a defensive tackle. And I can't say his last name, but his first name is Osa. It's Odigazua. And he had four sacks this season from defensive tackle. They've got players on that yeah. defense, and they've got good corners. I mean, they're there. Uh, I just think they need to find some more help. I mean, obviously, you played San Francisco 49ers. You played the number one de- uh, defense in the NFL, and you didn't do anything offensively. And, and Dak Prescott was terrible. Just terrible. Yeah, and it, it might have been because he had no running game. I mean, that's we always have to look at that. But I mean, we set up, we we play the pass to set up the run in the NFL now, and Dak just didn't do it. Not to mention, like you said, it's. I think it's. I also agree with you. It's time to move on from Zeke, but I don't think they're going to be able to trade him. I don't think anybody's going to be interested in trading for Zeke Elliott. Cut him. But June first after June first. Yeah, I was wondering what kind of buyout they were going to have to do to release him from his contract. Yeah, what kind what of kind of dead kind of, money you're going to have? Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I think I think. Unfortunately for Zeke, I think his time in Dallas is done. Um, if and, and the concern now is with Tony po- Tony Pollard's uh, injury, does Dallas take a risk on him next year? I think so. I don't I see why so. they he's, don't. He's, exactly. Yeah, he's ascending, so I think you, you expect him to come back from issues, you know, to the leg. He's probably going to slow him down at the beginning of the season, but hopefully you'll get you know a little bit. I think Zeke's going to be there, honestly, Ryan, because I don't think they can get away from the contract. I think there's going to be a ton of dead money. Usually they back, they back, uh, what, do they, what do you call it? Backload these deals yeah, yeah. when they're large. And I think he's probably going to have to be there just because they won't be able to afford to get rid of him. I, uh, you know, it could be one thing. Like, I'm also curious to see what Dallas does in the draft because I'm sure there's going to be some running backs out there that, that might be, I don't know, like the, the sexy picks to take. There are. If you can get them late. So, yep. um, even if they bring him back, he's not the answer. And that's just the continued stubbornness of Jerry Jones. Um, <laughs> if if you want to keep if you want to stick with Zeke Elliott because you paid him instead of just cutting your losses and moving on. I have something to say about Dallas. What's that? Uh, honestly, just the team itself, regardless of where it goes. We all love to hate Dallas, right? But maybe we should start feeling bad for them. They do make the playoffs, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm serious. No. They do make the playoffs. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 1995. And their expectations every year, they act like they're a championship team, but really winning a playoff game is where the Dallas Cowboys live right now. They're the Miami Dolphins of the 90s. Like, that's what they are. Listen, if you want to feel bad for a team, feel bad for a team like the Detroit Lions who have never won a Super Bowl, <laughs> um, who I don't think have won a playoff game since I, I became a teenager. That's the that's the kind of team that you need to, to be so that's coming. for. It's coming. They were ready this year. If they had gotten in, they might have won one this year. I don't feel sorry for the Cowboys only because I don't feel sorry for their fans. I'm just going to say that they are. Yeah. They can be fairly arrogant, yeah. but I, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. They have, they have acted like champions for a long time and really they just aren't anymore. I agree. Well, Bill, we're up against it. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we are going to preview the NFC and the AFC championship game. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on tap House and touchdowns. This episode is brought to you by Carolina business equipment. With offices in Charleston, Greenville, Columbia, and Florence, Carolina Business Equipment can supply your copiers, computers, and printers anywhere in the state of South Carolina. Call my personal best friend, Aaron Thompson, at 843-452-8761 for a quote today 
and make sure you tell them that Ryan from Tap House and Touchdown sent you. Carolina Business Equipment, you worry about your business, let us handle your technology. All right, everybody, welcome back to Overtime here on Tap House and Touchdown. It's your guy, Bully Rye and Banker Bill to discuss the AFC and NFC Championship games this coming weekend. Uh, Bill, I, I, I literally just told you off, off the air that I was going to ask you about it since we are in overtime of the show. Um, what are your feelings on NFL overtime? Like, do you like the way they're set up? Should they should they be changed in any way? Do you have any unique ideas to make sure the NFL games don't end in a tie anymore? I think the college ones are better. I think that's more fun. I think I hate tie games. That was ridiculous when the Giants and the what do they have? The Commanders or the yeah 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 terrible. Um, but I, I couldn't. I didn't like when they tied. I think the college game is more fun. With they have to go for two, and they go, they keep going until they. I hate that the scores get out of hand. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, but I think because obviously that would be a problem for the over under betters. But, yeah. Uh, well, see, listen, they they changed the NFL or the college playoff or the college playoff. They've changed the college overtime rules a few years ago. So now instead of it used to be the best football, like the best overtime in, in sports. It was at the, at the third overtime, you went to score, and you had to go for two. There was no more extra points. But now, at the third overtime, it's literally just a two-point conversion. Two-point conversion, yeah. Yeah. But, and, I, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's it's. I, I feel like that's gotten so boring. They ruined college overtime. They're trying to limit that. I, I think, yeah, you're right. The older version was better. I, I think they made the right move with the NFL rules to – give each team a possession if the first team doesn't score a touchdown. I don't hate that. I th- I think, however, you should just give them two anyway, even if the team does score a touchdown. I, and then and then maybe go, if it, if it does tie at the end of the first overtime, go into the college rule type deal. I, I can't stand ties. I think that's ridiculous in football. But um, I don't know if there's any – they're trying to limit injuries, and I don't know if there's any right answer. So I, I, I think I presented this idea to you before, and I presented it to a group chat that I was in last week and i was actually told to get off the internet because of my idea <laughs> so wow uh, yeah wow yeah, they had very strong feelings about it so my idea for nfl overtime is after the 10 minute overtime period is over if the game is still tied uh you line up for a 35 yard field goal and sort of like hockey shootouts and and soccer shootouts you're gonna have a shootout in the nfl but it's a field goal com- uh, kicking competition but with position players so, oh my goodness! <laughs> so you line up five guys from each team no, from a thirty-five no. yard field goal. Okay. Ryan, you should get off the internet for this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no, hear me out. Wouldn't you love to see no. like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle no, and like to- your. No, it would be hilarious maybe, watching maybe those guys try to kick. Ridiculous Pro Bowl games that we're doing here in a couple weeks. Maybe that would be fun to watch to have the players line up to do things they don't normally do, but to, to determine the outcome of an NFL game, absolutely not. No, you I put it. You put that. emphasis on special teams. That means now special got, teams are teams that don't play them. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Them. But now you've got to have special teams practice where you have position players kick. <laughs> Why don't we have the game, kickers race? <laughs> that would be a, or quarterbacks race, like backup quarterbacks, yeah, that's like terrible. Your, no, I I love it, man. Because you because then if it's tied after after five, then you move them back ten yards and you pick five different players to come out and kick field goals. Man, I don't know. I think it's I think this it's is a, the worst idea of worst ideas. I this I can understand why you're told. 
the internet. Listen, That's amazing. I know. I love the idea. Because I can't you, believe this idea is seeing the light of day. I mean, it's not, obviously. It's just me and all like <laughs> 10 people listening to the show. But I think it's a brilliant idea to prevent ties in the NFL. And I mean, because you had when Harrison Bucker went down earlier this season, uh, they had a safety coming out and was potentially kicking field goals in that game. So, so you enjoyed that. So maybe you should put that one in your back listen, pocket and I, just remember that you enjoyed that. I like the idea of something unique that changes the outcome of a game instead of just letting a game go like tie tie. Like there, you said there's there should be no ties in the NFL. Right. And if they're worried about player safety and that's why they don't want to prolong the games and, and make games longer, then why not have a shootout in the NFL and not or may, maybe wide maybe, receivers kicking field? Okay, goals. so then so then hear me out. Then what if you use a kick? You put a kicker at 40, 50 yards out, and you put them at the three hash marks. They've got to make all because kickers have been very much less accurate over the last. You're few You're turning overtime rules into the Pro Bowl games. Don't do this. This but is I'm a saying, bad idea. But so you hit him from the hash marks, and if it's tied at three, then you go to like. Almost to the sideline. Now he's got to make a field goal from the sideline. No, this is awful. Sideline. Why don't, don't we just play ultimate frisbee in overtime and you can't tackle each other? That sounds. You know, you nobody could, will get injured. You could except, for, out, except for Robert Edwards. You could pull out a driver and see if uh, if you can hit a ball out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a anyway. long drive, or or you know what? Bring out a putting surface in the end zone and have a putting contest. This is, How's this that? has gone sideways in, in a good way, but yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mentioned I, I brought up Harrison Bucker and, and their safety that was kicking field goals for a reason. We have uh, the reason we had overtime today is because we were going to talk championship football here. The AFC championship game is set. The Kansas City Chiefs will be hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it's I can't say it enough. The Bengals three and zero against the Chiefs in the calendar year that was twenty twenty two. You've got an injured Patrick Mahomes taking on a kind of a banged up Joe Burrow. Like you said, he. He hurt his foot in that game too, but it didn't matter. He came out and, and still played well. Um, his his injury, I think, was much less severe than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Bill, how do you feel like this game is going to go? Does Cincinnati go four and zero in four games against the Chiefs? Yes, yes, I think with with Patrick Mahomes, they Patrick carries them and they win that game. But with him with the ankle, they're going to get after him. They're going to blitz him a lot. They're going to try to make him move. And as far as we're hearing so far, he has done nothing. And they do not think that he will be able to practice in their first practice tomorrow. So they have, they're have they talking about whether or not he's going to be able to play in the game without practicing. He's never done that before in his entire career. Yeah. So he's injured. He's really injured. And they're going to make him play on one leg. And it is his push-off leg. And Patrick Mahomes is amazing. But I don't think he's enough to, to. I don't think he's enough injured to overcome the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Yeah, listen, we talked about stat lines. Uh, you know, both of these teams had uh, guys that ran for over ninety yards in their wins um, last week. Kansas City's going to have to rely on the run game, and if they if if Cincinnati knows that they're gonna they're gonna stack the box and keep Isaiah Pacheco from getting to the second level. Uh, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes being hurt. Whether or not he plays with, with, without practice, whatever the case is, the guy's human. Like right. I know, I know we like to we like to view star athletes as inhuman and doing superhuman things. Um, Cincinnati just went on the road, and granted, Buffalo did struggle with Miami in their in their opening round game. 
Um, that's that's you know nothing to be taken away from the Dolphins, but the Bills let and and why Skylar Thompson keep keep the Dolphins in that game, um, but offensively Buffalo is is much better than what Cincinnati allowed them to be last week. Cincinnati's got a defense, and mm-hmm. the problem with 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 Kansas City is that to go along with that defense, Cincinnati's got an offense. Between, I mean, look at all the skill players on this offense. You've got Joe Burrow at running back, some AJ Pirine who has played incredibly in relief of Joe Burrow. Of, I'm sorry, of of Joe Mixon this year. When you look at those receivers, Tyler Boyd might be the best number three receiver in the NFL. You've got T Higgins who has come on as of late. Obviously, Jamar Chase is a is a Pro Bowl wide receiver, and and I said it a few weeks ago. Hayden Hurst uh, was dwindling. In Baltimore, they trade him to Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't believe in them, so they go and sign Kyle Pitts. And Hayden Hurst was, was, I believe, the number two receiver in that game last week. The only other uh, receiving touchdown scored uh, in that game was the Hayden Hurst. They've got star, and they've got star power. They've got speed. They've got strength. That offense is high powered. And when you're going to be able to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, uh, that's where you take over that game. I'm with you, man. I think Cincinnati wins this game. I don't want to say it's a blowout, but I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah, um, I don't. I think I don't think it goes to overtime. We're at, we're in <laughs> overtime, so I don't think it's going to go to overtime. Like you said, I don't think that the 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 Kansas City Chiefs can cover the wide receivers for the Bengals. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Joe Burrow is going to do well in the air. And I think all that being said, I, I just think uh, without having a healthy Patrick Mahomes, that was what you would need as a Kansas City fan to win this game. It's not going to happen. I think yeah. the Bengals win this game. The line for this game is Cincinnati minus two. So they are favored. Um, but I think the later in the week, I think that line's going to move when they realize that Mahomes is – his high ankle sprain is going to keep him from practicing. And I think that, that Vegas line is going to move just a little bit. Um, but I digress. We, we're both on board with Cincinnati again, yep. not Buffalo. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, we're both on board with Cincinnati again this coming weekend. Uh, next up, and I, it's, I actually brought this one up first, it's the NFC Championship game. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, I believe, looking for their fourth NFC Championship game in five seasons or something like that. Um, it was some crazy thing that you wouldn't expect considering the, the quarterback turnover that you've had with this team and, and the injuries that you've had to this offense. Uh, San Francisco... Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles, a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, hosting the 49ers who are on their third-string quarterback. Bill, how do you see this game playing out? The Eagles are very good. They're at home. They're healthy for the most part now. Jalen Hurts had those injuries. And the 49ers just had one of their defensive linemen get arrested today. Yep. So that's going to be a problem. Uh, that's when he was part of their defensive rotation. Had four and a half sacks this season. I forget his name, but another one of those ones that's hard to say. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, so they have issues. I think Brock Purdy on the road in Philadelphia is going to be a scary place to play. Not that he had he's shown any kind of. Uh, I mean, he was a little bit worse than he's been, you know, this past week. But I think that the Eagles are going to be a tougher team than the 49ers. I think the Eagles ended up end up taking out the 49ers just because the roster is more complete and they'll, they'll have home field advantage. Ooh, this is the first time we've disagreed, man. Uh-oh. Uh, listen, I, I know. Good. That, Finally. Yeah, I know. I know that, you know, you mentioned it. And I'm trying to find his name right now and I can't find it. Um, listen, there's the signs point to the fact that Eagles should win this game. Uh, you're playing Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback who finally looked human against the Dallas Cowboys last week. 
Uh, I've already mentioned Christian McCaffrey was banged up. I believe it was a calf injury that took place in that game against the Cowboys. And so obviously he was only, he was, it was a situational player, although he did score um, the, the touchdown in that game. Um, listen, with or without the defensive lineman that got arrested that I cannot think. And it was Charles it was, Amenahu. Yeah. It, he was, it was under suspicion of domestic assault, Mis- or misdemeanor, domestic violence. Yes. Yeah. So um, it, it could be just about anything. There's a high likelihood with this arrest that he's not going to play this weekend. Um, Most likely. Yeah. Listen, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think he plays. He's, it's not about him though. I, I don't, he's not that big of a, he didn't yeah, have any, he's he not, log any stats against Dallas. So he's not Nick Bosa. Right. Uh, you know, and, and so my, my concern for the 49ers is, is the health of Christian McCaffrey and can Brock Purdy show up in prime, you know, it's not necessarily prime time, but in a, in a game of this magnitude, the Super Bowl on the line, can you go in and not make the mistakes? He did not throw an interception against Dallas. Meanwhile, his $40 million opponent threw two. Um, I, Looking looking back at, at Philadelphia's destruction of the Giants, they relied heavily on the run game. I mentioned 268 rushing yards in that game. I don't think they're going to get 200 yards plus on the 49ers, so they're going to have to rely on Jalen Hurts. Now, granted, Jalen Hurts missed some time at the end of the season due to injury, and he came back for Week 18 to ensure that they, they secured the number one seed. They would win that game. He looked healthy last week, but he only threw, uh, what was it, 20, 27? No, sorry, 24 passes 24, last 24, yeah. yeah. Um, so, again, we've talked about all the weapons that Philadelphia has. A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith. Um, I just don't see it being enough to put the kind of points that they need to put on San Francisco to win this game. Wow. Um, I just have a gut feeling that it's going to be one of those things like nobody expected Garoppolo to be able to take the 49ers to a Super Bowl a few years ago. Right. Um, everybody expected Trey Lance to take over this team. The 49ers looked awful early. Trey Lance goes down. Garoppolo comes in. Uh, Garoppolo is, is leading them to victory. He gets hurt. And then Brock Purdy is the best quarterback in football the last six <laughs> weeks of the season. So right. um, I just – I think this is – we've already seen Brock Purdy's breakout games. But I think this is where Brock Purdy proves to everybody that uh, he's here. He's for real. He's here to stay. This will be the first time that Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy matched up since, I believe, the 2019 bowl game where Iowa State lost by a single Ooh, point. Good to, one. To, to Jalen Hurts. I believe Jalen Hurts was playing for Alabama at the time. Um, or maybe it was Oklahoma. Regardless, they, they played each other in college, and, and Iowa State fell short by a point in that game. So – if you want to, if you want to, you know, say that that athletes hold grudges, I'm sure Brock Purdy doesn't appreciate that loss, and he's out for revenge against a guy who, uh, you know, at one point was a, was being talked about as a Heisman uh, Trophy candidate, um, highly touted quarterback, played at Alabama, uh, you know, went to Oklahoma and started. Hey, there. He got benched at Alabama. Well, he got benched at Alabama for your guy too. I get it. <laughs> But prior prior to that was was slated to be a a, a star at Alabama before yes. Tua came in. But he had show. been kind of a star, but the Tua there were the hype around Tua was too much, and they put Tua in in certain situations. Realized he was a better passer than Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts, man, he is he's flinging the ball now. I mean, you gotta 
You got to give the man his due. I don't like him. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't think he's that great. Of, but he's but he's been great this year, like really great. So I, I don't. I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. And I saw the report today that they're coming out and saying that Jimmy Garoppolo could possibly be ready for this game this weekend. Now, I don't think you bench Brock Purdy, but if Purdy struggles in the first half and and say Garoppolo's in uniform, what happens? I mean, it could be all I, over the place for the 49ers. I posed this question to you a few weeks ago off air before you joined the show, and I, I posed that exact question. If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy enough to play, does he play? And I think you make a great point that if, if Brock Purdy struggles, maybe he does turn the ball over and maybe, maybe San Francisco goes into a hole. Uh, do they turn to Jimmy Garoppolo um, and, and see if he can, if he can bring them back and what does that do to Purdy's chances next year as the starter? Um, I'm looking it up and it was Purdy at Oklahoma uh, taking on Brock Purdy's Iowa state. Um, and I believe it was 42 to 41. I'm trying to find that score. Um, but I, I still don't think even if Garoppolo is ready, you put Garoppolo in the game. Now, Garoppolo was playing really well when he was playing this season. I mean, that passer rating over 100, I think it was like 101, so it was really good. But I just I can't see you doing that to Brock Purdy, especially yeah, as good as Purdy has been. I don't know, man. It, Dallas had a very good defense. Phillies is better, and Purdy wasn't great last week, and he was at home. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I just something in my something in my gut tells me that Purdy is going to be out coming to coming to prove a point. If especially if Garoppolo is able to suit up for this game, he is going to prove like we don't need Garoppolo. Let him go at the end of the season. Um, and I've got this. And <laughs> um, and so I'm taking I'm taking I'm taking Brock Purdy. I like it. We finally disagree. I'm happy. Yep, I'm I'm digging it too. So um, Bill, this was fun, man. Like I said, I'm I'm excited to have you on the show going forward. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things that like, I've, I've been able to talk football by myself and it'll go like 30 minutes or so. Sometimes it would go longer <laughs> because I do like to talk if you haven't yeah, been able to tell. But just talking about things going on in football, it's interesting to have the opposing viewpoints. Well, you know, how would I've been able to give my, my overtime, uh, you know, my overtime pitch, to myself without anybody right. being able to clown me on the other side. You know what I mean? By the way, <laughs> by the way, if there's a game that's going to go to overtime, it's this one. I think the defenses are going to stand yeah. up and, and be a big deal in this in this game. And if, if you're going to see one of these two games go to overtime, I think this game is going to be more closely contested than the other game with the Bengals and the Chiefs. I hope some I hope both of these games are closely contested because almost every game over the weekend was a stinker. And that wasn't the case in Super Wildcard Weekend, and it was last weekend. So well, I, I guess the 49ers-Cowboys game was close, but it was also an offensive stinker. So, so to throw it out fun. there, to throw it out there, Purdy was Purdy's Iowa State was trailing uh, Oklahoma 42 How to long 20. ago is this? This was 2019. Iowa State-Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma was up 42-21 to 21 entering the fourth quarter. And Iowa State would come back and they would score 42 uh, to 41. And instead of going for the extra point, they would go for two and not get it. And that's how Iowa State would fall to Oklahoma 42 to 41. So if we want to talk about Purdy falling into a hole against Jalen Hurts and being able to mount a comeback. It is not impossible. And playing was he for, a freshman that season? I mean, was he 18, 18 years old, maybe? Yeah, he, he had to have been. But to go to be, because especially if he's a rookie this year. You would imagine he's no older than like 21, yeah. 22. 
Um, and so that young being able to be in that sort of place and be able to come back on Jalen Hurts, it's not unthinkable that he could happen again, even if they do fall in a hole for it's a lot of faith. It's a lot yeah. of faith. I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait for Championship Sunday uh, this coming weekend. Bill, as always, and by always, I mean the two weeks that you've been on the show, thank you for joining me today. And I hope that you enjoy Championship Sunday as much as I do. You too, man. I, I think I'll enjoy it. I, it's going to be fun. Uh, we were supposed to spend some time together during this Championship Sunday and watch the games together, but yeah. we're not going to be able to, sounds like. Um, but I think it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to both games. I hope they're close games. I just Something needs to be better than last weekend. So uh, at this point, I just say go Eagles, go Bengals. Yeah, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk off the air. I know I know you got some stuff going on. I may have some stuff going on, uh, but we may be able to catch the late game together um, if we can, we can make that work. We'll talk off the air. Uh, nevertheless, I hope you all enjoyed the divisional round breakdown of the NFL playoffs. I hope you enjoyed us predicting the NFC and AFC championship game. Uh, we're going to come up with something next week because we got the Pro Bowl games coming next week, um, and there's not going to be much to talk about. So uh. maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe we'll just sort of have a, have an open discussion on what what the new Pro Bowl games will look like, and maybe we'll talk some award winners in the NFL. I'm talking MVPs, Offensive Players of the Year. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll get into that next week, but we'll come up with a plan. We will have one more football show before the end of season four before we take a couple weeks off and come back and start talking xfl with you guys so thanks again for joining us this week stay tuned next week also stay tuned next week for the season four wrestling show finale of the podcast uh some exciting stuff talking royal rumble 2023 we're gonna have some special guests from contest winners and whatnot so stay tuned for all that coming next week but for this week's show for Banker Bill, it's your guy, Bully Rye, for Tap House and Touchdowns, and I'll be around.